Hi, I'm Brian Giuliano, part of the Global Fixed Income Team here at Brandywine Global. And I'm Steve Smith, uh, Portfolio Manager for our Global Fixed Income Team. And we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about a couple investment themes that we think could have a big impact on the market environment in 2018. Steve, I, I think a good place to start is in Europe with the European Central Bank. When you look at just broader growth in the European economy, it's, it's quite strong. Many economic data points are sitting at multi-year, if not multi-decade highs. Consumer confidence is up. Business investment has ticked higher. Uh, money's finally being put to work. Yet real interest rates across much of the region are in negative territory. Uh, a 10-year German Bund yields only 40 basis points. It's incredible. A lot of this price action, I think, has to do with the ECB and their aggressive quantitative easing program, a program that's going to remain in place for much of 2018. So, Steve, if European growth remains solid, what happens to fixed income and currency markets once the ECB realizes just how far behind the curve that they've become? Well, the ECB may not believe that they're really far behind the curve. I think part of what's going on is after the great financial crisis, when the great financial crisis occurred, the U.S. banks were recapitalized with $308 billion worth of equity. The ECB, because of the uh, disjointed nature of it, there was never really an agreement, you know, a central bank, uh, that they never be able to recapitalize the banks. I mean, in September, 22% of the loans in Italy were still uh, non-performing. So the ECB has this is quantitatively easing because they want to get the economy up, and they've been extraordinarily successful. Uh, no matter how you look at it, do you, the, you could almost use the word boom for Europe. And in the Eastern European countries, they're clearly in a boom mode. But the ECB, they also saw what happened when Sweden, Norway, and New Zealand raised interest rates, how it slowed the economy, and they don't want to take a chance. So the ECB is going to be late to the cycle because they want to make sure that the self-sustaining economic growth is self-sustaining. And so they are going to be late. But I do think this year, with what's going on, if they have another year of growth like they've had this year, uh, there's going to be labor markets are going to be priced better, inflation is going to be stronger, and I do actually believe that the ECB is going to be forced to raise rates because of the macroeconomic conditions. So, Steve, you talk about Italy and the non-performing loan issue. Let, let's stay with the theme of Italy for a second and, and shift gears to politics. But Italian elections are in a couple months. Populism uh, is on the move. Is a negative election outcome in Italy enough to derail momentum in Europe? No. I mean, there's been nothing uh, positive economically from the political class, uh, you know, in trying to address the structural I issues with, uh, with Italy. And so the election is, uh, you know, is going to happen, but I think that it's going to happen not in a vacuum. But if you look around Europe, you look at the structural reforms in Spain, you look at the structural reforms in Portugal, you look at the structural reforms they're undertaking in France, and always you could say that it's a heck of a lot better than not doing anything. And so I think maybe there could be a, you know, there's this, uh, instead of being a cloud over Italy, they could come out of the elections and actually do something that's positive. I don't think anything radical, but they don't need to do something radical. They just need to do something positive. And so I'm just thinking that uh, the way this thing is going to play out, the growth is going to continue, and Italy uh, will do something. It may be marginal, but they will do something in the right direction. All right. Now let's shift gears for a minute to the U.S. economy. The Fed is tightening. Uh, yields at the front end of the curve are, are moving higher. The back end of the curve has remained uh, incredibly uh, anchored. 
uh, at least until uh, the most recent couple of weeks where it seems like yields uh, want to push higher. Growth is solid. Confidence is coming back. Is inflation in the pipeline? Let's look at import inflation. Import inflation was running at minus 2 to 3% for, I don't know, a number of years. It got to zero uh, in, in 2016. Last year, import inflation numbers were running at about 2%. Uh, we've got oil prices are not $27 a barrel. They now have a six-handle on them. And you look at every single uh, Fed district, all 12 of them, the biggest concern is a shortage of labor. And so, and there's no really no labor inflation, which has been a conundrum for the Phillips curve uh, class. So when I'm thinking about it, you know, our job is to try to figure out what's the economic data six to nine months from now. And so I think that the U.S. with the tax cut is on extraordinarily sound footing. I think the demand for labor is going to continue to increase. And I think what's going to happen is that uh, we are, the dollar is going to continue to gradually work lower, not a crash of any sense of mind, just gradualism is a key word. I think import prices are going to continue to rise. I think that we are going to reach an inflection point with wages where you are going to have shortages and people are going to start getting wage increases. And that is going to be the catalyst for the Fed. And uh, I really think that probabilities of that ha happening are relatively high because let's look at the data. If you continue to add just 175,000 jobs a month for one year, the unemployment rate in the United States is going to be at 3.5%. I find it hard to believe if the unemployment rate falls to 3.5%, it's going to do it in a vacuum with no wage inflation. So I think there's a higher probability that wages start moving with a three-handle rather than a two-handle, and that's the bet we have in the portfolio. And the reason we think that what you're seeing now is the one-year interest rates have broken out, two-year interest rates have broken out, five-year interest rates are broken out, 10 years on the verge of it. I think what's going to happen is it's just going to cascade down the yield curve. And at some point in the next three to six months, the long end is going to break just like the front end of the curve did because of wage inflation. Steve, you brought up tax reform and the dollar, and it said that in essence, your outlook for the dollar for 2018 is just for more of a, a, a continued decline in the currency, but not a, an all-out crash. A strong argument could be made that tax cuts could really supercharge growth prospects here in the economy. It could lead to more dollar appreciation. Right? It's been about 12, 18 months, and this dollar seems to be uh, in a depreciating trend. So, Steve, what, what help me get a better understanding of what is coming in to, to, to formulate your view on the dollar? Okay, well, first of all, last year, we, we have been dollar bearish for two years. Uh, the dollar was as strong as it was, you know, you know, at the, the peak of the uh, you know, tech mania in 1999-2000. So let's just put perception where it is. So the dollar has actually sold off slightly in a benign way over the last uh, 12 to 18 months. Let's look at some of the data points. Remember when Germany was a sick man of Europe? five years of restructuring with Helmut Schroeder in the early part of this decade. Was the dollar going up or going down? The dollar was actually declining during that. The other thing is, is we've actually done historical studies five of the six times that the U.S. raised interest rates, the dollar actually declined. There's a perception that the dollar moves on interest rate differentials. And sometimes it's true, and sometimes it's not true. The other thing that we've been thinking about is we are nine and a half years into a recovery. And what generally happens is the rate of change is the rate of change just tends to slow down because you're operating at full capacity. So I think we might get a quarter or two early on in the t with the tax cuts where you get this maybe 3% growth for four quarters running. 
Trump will take credit for that tongue in cheek. But the reality of it is, I think that that's going to fade and you're going to get back to the site of the two, two and a quarter percent range. And more importantly, with the output gaps where they are, relative GDP growth could be stronger than Europe, stronger than the EM, and it is in the U.S. And therefore, I think that there is going to be a tendency for the dollar to weaken. And that's the story that we're sticking with. All right. Thanks, Steve. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening today. Please don't hesitate to contact us if you have any questions. Thank you.